So The Darkness and the Light was written by Ronald D. Moore. Okay. Story by... I'm ready. Brian Fuller. Really? Yep. Okay. So this may be an indication of what the new Star Trek is going to be like. Well, I will say I like... I don't know. I thought this was a cool episode. This was... Kira hasn't had much to do, and... Which is partly, of course, because the Nat Visitor was yes, very of, pregnant. Of course. Now, this is her in a serial killer story where, you know, putting, you know... What? what you're giving me a look. Well, no, I mean, I, 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 I think that... I have a little bit of a problem with the way that they handled the pregnancy on the show. I think that it went a little bit too long. It did, especially considering that at the very beginning of the pregnancy, they said, well, you know, Earth... You know, Bajoran pregnancy is only five months, so it did seem like they were going to rush, you know, this within the storyline, maybe even through the end of the season. Okay, well, it's already time, Um, you know. I mean, she she only got the baby uh, in the second to last episode of the fourth season. So, you know, on on some sense, I guess it does make sense because they do make a point of saying that Bajoran pregnancies only last for five months. And it was also only a few months. But but it was also the kind of thing where Keiko had been pregnant a couple of months. So, for example, I, I, I got the sense. All right. Well, if, you know, she's three months pregnant already, give give cure the baby for two more months and then well i guess the implication was that like the the human baby still needed the full amount of gestation time and it was kind of like that kind of thing where yeah. three months and five months equals eight months which is close enough kind of thing i don't that's know that's fair i don't think it was really thought out that much i mean my whole thing about it is is on a on a sort of production level you know Nana visitor had disappeared a few episodes ago and she actually gave birth and she was not pregnant for like the last i think four episodes or something yeah. like that. So I assumed they, for this episode she was doing makeup as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a thing that she was wearing. And I, I, I think that, you know, she could have they could have done this story a few episodes earlier and just gotten this out of the yeah. way. For example, she could have easily this this episode could and she could have had the baby before rapture happened and sure. and been, you know her being pregnant was not at all a factor in that episode. For I, example, yeah, and I think that that you know maybe we'll leave this aside because we can talk a lot more about the timing of her pregnancy when we talk about the begotten in a few minutes because I think that that episode needs her to be pregnant to work. Oh, but and I also think that it's. The timing of it is weird because I think that if the begotten had come earlier in the season, the Odo the Odo is human stuff would have really That's felt true. kind of short. Yeah, so I guess I guess that's maybe why they did that. And and, and when we're putting it in this context, it actually does make it very clear how many moving parts really were going on. And actually, this is making me appreciate for why when things do happen, when they happen, because they are developing several different st- I mean frankly that moment at the end of uh begotten which we'll talk about Odo and Kira have been on very separate journeys for the past few months yeah and they their journeys needed to complete at the same time but. yeah but we'll talk about that in a few minutes sure so yeah darkness and the light I I like this episode I think it's very strong I like the fact that they gave Kira an episode again after a long hiatus of course because the nav visitor was pregnant and just yeah. couldn't do the heavy lifting Ha ha ha. Um, and of and co- now we have two good Kira episodes in a row. Yeah. Yeah. When, well, of course, she could do this episode because Nana Visitor was not actually pregnant at this point. So she could, you know, f- pull a full workload. And so I-, I like this episode a lot. I think that there are some parts of it which feel a little bit like retreads. And there are some parts of it which feel a little bit like things that we've maybe seen before, things that we've revisited. I mean, Kira has seemed to come to terms with her past as a terrorist. Yeah. And this kind of dredges it up again. But, you know, 
that's a minor point. I think that that is something that perhaps you never really get past entirely. So it kind of makes sense no. that she still is grappling with that to some degree. And I guess I see this as yet another reason to exp- – Kira is dealing with, in a lot of ways, learning why being a terrorist vigilante is not the way, not where her life is going and maybe not the right way for change to happen. In this episode, we see – her doing those actions in a way that maybe she would be completely justified, but getting very hurt because of it. I mean, she when she's going to the uh, her 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 room, for example, uh, she suffers that laceration or whatever, which is a very minor thing, but making it very clear, you know, you you have a different life now. Um, yeah, she, obviously, she gets, you know, she she's able to use the pregnancy to her advantage at the very end for, in how she talks her way out of the situation, of course. But and I also I I like that very much. I think that that plotting element yeah. was done very well. And of course, you know, there was this whole you know uh, uh, thing at the very beginning of the episode where she's you know talking to Doctor Bashir about the 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 roots or whatever. Yeah. And, and oh, it the word doesn't work on it makes sedatives not work. And it's a nice yeah. And then halfway through, when she meets the other two, and they give her another shipment of the herbs. And it, it was it, that plot. Once she asked for the sedative, her plan was very clear yeah. to me, and you know that 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 made a lot of sense, and it felt very satisfying. It was a very well constructed episode too. It is, and it feels satisfying in a way that I think you know. Again, let, let me maybe we this is a good opportunity for for us to talk a little bit about. We haven't talked about DS Nine and how it treats the women characters in a while, and you know that was always a perennial topic of conversation on TNG because. You know, Doctor Crusher and, and and Troy were the only two yeah. main cast members that were women, or I guess characters. They were not actually called that. I I know what their real names are. They I, they're not actually Doctor Crusher and Troy. I yes, they that. are, and I won't believe you otherwise. <laughs> but you know, most of their plots boiled down to, hey, there's a man on the ship, and isn't he hot? You know, like, and that was kind of a problem, obviously. And of course, Doctor Crusher and and Troy both got a couple of episodes that were good, and I think Troy especially. You know, I've really come to grow and appreciate her character. You know, yeah. quite a bit, and I think that she adds a lot to the show. And you know, I don't think that her as a punching bag or as a as a, as a point of, of of joking is is necessarily justified. But Kira has never been that character. No. I mean, certainly Kira is allowed to have romantic relationships. Kira has had romantic relationships, but this is a female character that is allowed to be feminine. Is allowed mm. to, you know not be a man frankly but still not be defined by her sexuality or her relationships no in a lot and this of, is another one of those yeah. long line of episodes where that is the case in a lot of ways her she has been defined by her past in the shikar more than anything and this is another i guess wrinkle of that past coming to roost for her it happens to come at a time when she is vulnerable because of her pregnancy sure. and frankly that but but that's like anything. I mean, for example, Rear Window has somebody who is laid up from a broken leg to, to add the terror. It just puts her in a sense of physical helplessness. We've seen, frankly, uh, Ascent deal, dealt with Odo as being human as a physical weakness. For yeah, him. yeah. Well, and the thing that I really like about the darkness and the light is that, like I said, some of it does feel a little bit like a retread go, going back to an earlier version of Kira that perhaps, you know, because we've talked about Kira. I think the, she's kind of been shunted to the sides in the last half dozen last dozen episodes or so just because of Nana Visitor's pregnancy and she wasn't able to work as much. And that's understandable. And I think that obviously 
this is showing that yeah. the show has not forgotten about her and she is still going to get really good stuff to work with. But, you know, the thing with Kira is that in the, you know, remember how she was an emissary. She was this fiery person who didn't like the Federation, who didn't like yeah. uh, a bureaucracy, who wanted to just do things and get things done. I mean, think back to to the episode um, with the with the old man on the moon, yeah, yeah. you know, where that was the first real indication that perhaps she was understanding that she had to work within the structures of the Bajoran government more than she ever wanted to in the past. She She was in the militia now and she kind of had to grapple with that to a real degree and also the kind of threads in the past four seasons about her grappling with her and coming to terms with her past as a terrorist yeah kai opaka well in a way with vedic win and and now you know she has come to terms with that but when push comes to shove and her past comes up to her and someone is directly you know threatening her and and threatening the people that she feels Maybe not closest to, but has a sort, you know, because there is a, a, a very, you know, strong bond that is formed in times of yes. war like this, that that older version of Kira is going to come out in this episode, which I completely buy. See, what I thought was the most interesting, uh, this episode is in a way Kira coming, Kira's antagonist is an older version of herself. I mean, it's not incidental that the message that's one, that's two turns out to be a distorted version of her own voice. I mean, that is literally her past haunting her. She yeah. meets up with somebody who is unable to let the what happened in the war, move, uh, unable to move on from that, and is still stuck in a, in a cycle of revenge. That section where they're, when she's in the restraining field and they're talking to each other, and he's saying, well, you, you know, let off the bomb. It killed all the servants in the family. And he's saying, well, how many... How many innocent Bajorans were killed by that? You you had no business being their servant or whatever. And he's saying, "Well, I was just doing my job. I just I didn't actually kill anybody. We have somebody. I mean, this is the two. I was of, just following orders. Exactly. I mean, the two. But the, that's the thing. The two of them could go off for hours, you know. And that is one of the things that history is going to, you know, is looking at for for the Bajoran occupation, but. I well, think well, one of the themes that Kira has had to deal with is realizing that the only way to get past the war is to just, well, it's over now. We really can't, you know, we could go and sort out and ultimately figure out who is wrong, but at the end of the day, both sides did equal atrocities and both sides did things that were terrible and that shouldn't have been. We all had to get a little dirty in the yeah. war, but the war is over now and the only way we can figure it out is by moving on from it. Well, I think that's a good point. And, and, you know, that that whole, you know, the end scene with uh, Lacerda or whatever his name is and Kira is is very interesting because she is not interested in having this argument with him. Yeah. She has had this argument many times. I think that she's over this argument. And I think if you go back even to a couple of episodes ago where uh, things passed, right, where sort of, you know, Garrick, Jadzia and and Cisco and Oda were yeah. coming back from that conference on Bajor about the occupation. You know, at this point the occupation had lasted for 50 years, but now the occupation has been over for 5 or 6 years. And so yes, that's still a very very uh fresh memory in everyone's minds, but it is starting to recede. Yeah. I mean, we just saw in Rapture the Federation was about to welcome Bajor, you know, into the Federation with with open arms. Yeah, and that was, of course, torpedoed by Cisco. But 
there is an implication that that and I think that Kira has realized this in her journey through the last few seasons is that Bajor needs to stand on its own. Bajor needs to move forward in a way to get past this. And it's not uh, beneficial to continue to revisit this and have these arguments with the Cardassians. I mean, we even especially, see Cardassians, you know, we've well, well, especially since the Cardassians are objectively wrong. Yeah. And I think Cardassians make has made a lot of overtures in the past few seasons i mean number one when they invent that sh- you know, when cisco makes that ship yes you have to go Gold- i was just thinking that when gold Ducat has to push the fireworks button very grimly yeah exactly like at that point he's you know but then we've also seen for example i'm so glad that you <laughs> made it captain cisco here are some fireworks <laughs> for you but think about this trials and tribulations is kicked off by the Cardassians returning one of the orbs that had had been taken yeah. during the occupation. Uh, Rapture is kicked off by their uh, by the Cardassians returning this relic, this painting, and so you see, Cardassia is you know grimly at first you know admitting, all right, the Bajorans were fine, we're in the wrong, but now at this point they they are you know finding their stuff and you know making the Cardassians are even doing their part to yeah. make their you know begin to make their amends again Cardassia has a lot to make amends for but it is and, doing it and i think the other thing too the other part of that is and maybe this is a question for you but Cardassia seems almost kind of irrelevant right now i mean we, oh, we yeah. haven't really dealt with Cardassia in a while I mean, obviously, we have these these intonations and these sort of, you know, rumors going around about, you know, the Detapa Council and there was a, a coup and they're, yeah. they're in charge now. And, but, you know, you know the Obsidian the Order's gone. Right. The Obsidian Order is gone. But there's the war with the Klingons that apparently yeah. is still going on between Cardassia and the Klingons. But they almost seem kind of of, of irrelevant at this point. I mean, Bajor yeah. is moving on. Bajor is becoming a stronger force. You know, the Federation obviously is, is going to protect Bajor, even though Bajor, you know, turned down their application for membership yeah. at, 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 you know, or their invitation for membership, I, I should say. But at this point, I think Cardassia has nothing else to do because they don't well, have the resources to be dicks to Bajor anymore. Well, that's the thing. We've never found out an exact reason why the Cardassians did pull out of Bajor. We were, it was a political decision, but... Given where they are now, it might be possible that they were extending their resources a little too much, and yeah, they couldn't hold Bajor anymore. So they gave it up. Make you know, gave they gave it up rather than lose it in a lot of ways. But you know, yeah, I think I think the implication really was that the the optics of the Cardassian occupation on the galactic stage, yeah. were just getting too untenable. We, I mean, we we are seeing the end of that era of Cardassia. You know, we the Klingon Empire has crumbled in the time frame that we've watched. Uh, you know, in in the Star Trek franchise, now that's happening to the Cardassians and. You know, the Federation is getting stronger and stronger through all of these. I mean, we will probably see the Dominion changing at the end of this series in a way that's not as dominating. So, I don't know. We we are seeing – I like that there is a sense of galactic change throughout this. But, yeah, it's almost sad that Cardassia isn't a villain anymore. Yet. At the moment. Maybe that'll change. Hey. Maybe that'll change. Very soon. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and I, well, to go back to the Kira stuff, I think that that what really makes this episode work is 
it is a very grounded understanding of the character of Kira. It is yes. a very grounded understanding of her journey through the last few years. And, you know, I think that it completely, I, I completely buy her kind of going off half cock towards the end yeah. of the episode and, and trying to stop this because that is, again, I think that that's kind of the switch in her head that, that gets flipped when this is happening. You know, the, the, I mean, and again, I like the structure of this episode quite a bit. It's extremely creepy when she gets these yeah. messages. You know, that's one. That's uh, yeah, this two. is a this is like Saw. This is a serial killer story. How are they? And you know, they use these weird gadgets to kill the people. You know, it, 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 it's a at the very end, she is alone with you know the murderer. It 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 hits all of the thriller conventions in a very way it does yeah i mean it is very much structured like a like a thriller or or even a horror movie to some degree you know i mean you get that great scene i mean i love that scene where they're figuring out the voice and it's nog yeah i mean how are you feeling about nog i told you he was going to get pretty interesting Uh, you know again they that could have been anybody but i thought it was nice that they put nog particularly in that scene yeah and also just the fact that you know he's he's i think that it's one of the nice things about it especially in that little scene even where star trek is able to show that everybody has a role and everybody has a little talent that they can give i mean but yeah he he he's the son of rom and the nephew of quark he's gonna know his way around a computer system and he does have very sensitive ears yeah i like it it works (laughs) and then i think also that that just I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the two characters getting killed. Oh, her friends. I mean, I liked them. We'd only seen them once before, but it almost feels a little, I don't know. That, that is the one part of the episode that feels a little bit like it's trying a little too hard to elicit an emotional response through the death of a character. Cause like, you know, we've only seen them once before, but they both are very, very sort of outsized personalities. They're both very memorable characters. The two actors work very well. They have really good chemistry. Uh, You know, I I would say either of them on their own is, you know, but the two work very well together. And I am sad they're dead. I mean, I liked them, you know? Um, but I think that I guess the other thing too to talk about is is Shakar a little bit. Because, yeah, because I mean they they. I, well, I guess the implication for me, Shakar is a little bit. I mean, because he was the leader of their resistance cell. Yeah, and I guess the implication is that this guy Lupuset is going around and killing everyone that was in the Shakar resistance cell. Is he able yeah. to get to Shakar? They never. Really I mean, they say don't even. It. They don't even mention you know Shakar himself in this episode. If I remember right, I mean, I don't it think is they a wa- do. We we know for we've known for we knew very early on that Kira's resistance cell was called the Shakar, but it wasn't until the episode named after him that we learned that the cell was named after him. You know, for all we knew, that was just you know. Resistance Cell Blue or whatever. Right, and right. so, you know, this episode goes along with this and, you know, we, we can – as far as this episode's concerned, the half dozen people that we see in it are the only surviving people in the Shakar and Kira. He doesn't even seem to exist. The show has made – again, I don't think that her relationship with him was a good idea. The show's kind of forgotten about it. You know, it's mentioned every so often, you know, and then you have – Again, for scheduling reasons, he wasn't in Rapture, but well, for monetary reasons, yeah, monetary. Really. Uh, but yeah. but he was a very you know. It seems like a lot of missed opportunities, and Shakar reminds me of Alexander in a lot of ways. In that it wasn't <laughs> you know, but no, it, it was it's a weird comparison. No, but in both cases, it was like all right, this could be interesting, but the series completely dropped the ball and failed to do anything interesting with him. 
And when it can forget that he exists, it, it does it. That said, of course, well, that said, of course, Kira's boyfriend, you know, that she, you know, both of them know that they're not going to be able to see each other sure. every day. So they made, you know, they, 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 their relationship is neither of their first priority anyway. There is a difference between that and Worf's son, of course. Yeah, and I think I mean the the difference there of course is that I don't know if TNG was ever really prepared to to Yeah. It wasn't the it wasn't the type of show that was built to deal with that kind of fundamental change to the status quo of a character. And I think you that I think that's primarily yeah. the reason why the ball was dropped on that. Um whereas Shakar fits into the Vedic Burial sort of slot where Kira, I mean, Kira seems obviously to have a, a a soft spot or an attraction to powerful men. She seems to have an attraction to men that she's had some sort of past with. And well, also, at the same time, you know, she herself is powerful and has a pretty prominent position. So, you know, to a degree, she's dating people who are more or less on her level. Well, I think so, too. I think, sure. that, I think that needs to be said. It's not like, you know, obviously there's a difference between, you know, the first minister and, you know, Vedic. Who's, but, you know, both both are in pretty good positions. And Well, I think I think what what really the, the primary problem with all of Kara's romantic relationships that we've seen on the show is that just they're not interesting yeah and she is i don't know i don't feel like kira is the type of character that necessarily needs romantic subplots to make it no work. no and i think that one of the reasons why the show has chosen characters that live on bajor f- for her to be in a romance with is because yeah. i don't know that they wanted to limit the storytelling possibilities of the character of kira by you know, locking her into a romantic relationship with someone who lives on the station. Especially when, you know, again, and I think they're contrasting her with Dax a bit too because Dax, we have seen, is very willing to get into wacky relationships with somebody, you know, <laughs> she's just met only – and obviously she is in a relationship with somebody on the station. That's Dax's personality. Oh, da- who is it? Uh, O'Brien. Oh, um, Dax's personality is she is somebody who is very comfortable and, you know, gung-ho and, you know, wants to go with that and, you know, enjoys the fun of that. Um, Kira is somebody who, no, her job comes first and, you know, her position and, you know, what she wants for Bajor. And frankly, the people that she's been with, both Vedic Burial and Shakar, are of the same mindset. You yeah. Know? None of them are going to get offended if, well, I have to work this weekend. Okay, you have to work. I totally get that. And I yeah, and I think maybe to wrap that that point back around to the earlier conversation about about Kira and kind of the way that she's changed is that Kira is a person who doesn't necessarily allow herself time for just fun or relaxation. Yeah. She always seems to do it very grudgingly. I mean, I'm thinking about the first time in Way of the Warrior when, uh, 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 you know, Jedzia and Kira come out of the Hall of Suite in the, you know, Edwardian garb or whatever they're in, and Warp yeah. is like, what the fuck? And and Kira seems very like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Oh, my God. Maybe Kira and Worf have a lot more in common. <laughs> they might, actually. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they should be dating. Neither of them really like fun. <laughs> But I they think don't that, enjoy laughing. But that's yeah. But I think no. that's really the point, though. Is like Kira. Yeah, Kira and Worf are both just sort of dour workaholics. Yeah, 
And, you know, and I think that, you know, Kira has obviously learned to relax. And I think that Kira is maybe, you know, she's allowing the romantic relationships that she's having to, to, to give her. Maybe she's they're giving her a reason to relax. I don't know. Well, I mean, know. you know, we, 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 well, I think this is a good way to transition into the next episode if you're ready. I'm always ready. Richard. Okay, because I mean, I, I number one, it's 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 another funny thing along the lines of sneezing that you know what what the physiology of a Bajoran labor is, where it's ne- so it's so dumb. Of I course, just, but it's also fun. You know, it is. It's like it's like she needs to. It's like pooping or something she like needs to need- relax and you can unlabor i thought that was the funniest thing is that like oh, you know, she's no longer in labor yeah you just need to relax and the baby just comes right out that's it you know and then they, they have to have that but which uh, also doesn't seem relaxing at all well you know that's because o'brien and keiko aren't doing it right you know um i love her doula but anyway that that that's another um yeah, she she you know, I think it's funny that she needs to relax in order to finish that plot line. Yeah. And I also I mean she I don't think it's unintentional that she and Shakar don't have a ton of chemistry and that you know, and that she does have a lot more chemistry with Miles obviously. Yeah, it is kind of funny that when when Shakar shows up in this episode, he almost looks like wallpaper. Yeah, he's just kind of like, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" I love how he's trying to get upset, you know, with you know Miles for being around. It's like, yeah, which is the one who's fucking been there the entire pregnancy, you know, and helping her, you know, who was the one who's been rubbing her feet and you know made room in his home and did a goddamn thing for her. I guess Shakar doesn't want O'Brien looking at her vagina, which I guess is the implication. Yeah, yeah, of course. But at the same time, I mean, I there's don't a think baby coming yeah, out of it at not the time. A super sexy thing, I yeah. would imagine. And if you had, if you find childbirth sexually attractive, some people do. You might have a problem, and you should go to a therapist. Huh. Well, I think that okay. So the begotten is. I think it's an interesting episode. I think it's going to give us a lot to talk about. Yeah. I don't know how much I actually like it. Um, it's the kind of thing where, all right, where is this going? Because obviously the the major impli- you know the major implications of this episode are in that Odo now has his changeling powers back, and Odo is now a changeling again. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess the first question for you is, is what exactly happened from that, and I and I don't know, but I would assume that you know, in the next episode, you know, he can he'll he'll sum something up that may, or you know, I don't know how long they're going to leave this a mystery, or if they even care about solving why this works. I, I will save you the time. They don't. I, I think that I just assume that you know that's how it worked. He got a little more changeling back at MEB. That's just how it goes. Magic. Well, two questions for you. And I want to have a conversation about exactly what happened to Odo in terms of the whole like twelve, you know, episode arc where he became a human. Yeah. Uh, my first question is: Is this satisfying? No. Why? Yeah, and I guess that's kind of where I'm always on it too. Like, why did they do this, and why did they yeah. resolve it so quickly? That's the, that's the resolving it quickly. Like, if this were part of the season six finale, you know, maybe that would be a thing, you know, but. Yeah, the, the, it, it it just happened like it, it felt like he was just human, knocked down a peg, saw how solids really had it, you know, appreciated that. But you know, now he's a change thing again, and everything's happy, and he's just going to be. It doesn't seem like he 
got much from this. Right. And it seems or that, or, like yeah. why did the show bother to 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 make him human if they were just going to yeah. resolve it half a season later? It seems like because to me, obviously, Odo becoming human at the end of the fifth at the end of the fourth season was a shocking yes. moment. And it was very, very it was changing the status quo of that character immensely. And it seemed to have a lot of implications going forward for Odo's personality yeah. and his characterization. And, and ones that this... they were working well with. It wasn't like a case where... Well, I kind of agree with you and kind of disagree with you because I think the show was trying to thread different things in yeah. about Odo adapting to being a, a solid. But at the same time... I can kind of like I don't I don't know why they did that. I mean because did they paint I, themselves into a corner? I guess is well, the that, question. I guess that's my question because you know I have actually I've gone looking for this uh, uh, about the production and about yeah. why they resolved it so quickly, and I have never found any statements made by the creative staff. So it's about not why like this was the this. intention the entire time. You know, we're going. He's not. You know, we're going to take him on these few beats and then we'll take it away. You know, so he's just had this. Or was it a case where you know they started it and people complained and they decided all right. Right, we need to take this back, you know. Right, because for for me, I mean, maybe for you it was different because, of course, Odo has been a, a, a human for like twelve episodes, and so I knew that this was coming. I knew that this yes. was coming quickly for you. I mean, because to me, it's always like, well, they never had an episode dealing with this. They never really did anything with it that much, and they never really seemed to be all that interested in it. Yeah, and I guess you know, from your perspective. That's fine because, of course, maybe you were expecting them to do something with it in episode 18 of the season. And no, but, no, but of course, I, like they I, didn't because far, it's over. I understand as far as I thought they were going to continue with him as a you know, as, as as human or a solid or whatever for the rest of the series, you know, yeah. And I guess, like you said, it feels unsatisfying, it feels yeah. unfinished, it doesn't feel like there was a real reason to do it. It does, and it doesn't feel like he earned his humanity back yet. I don't know or his his, his, his changelingness back well, yet, and and obviously this episode uh, episode is you know him relearning to be and re, him redoing his child. This is Odo's do over episode yes. in a lot of ways. Well, I want to talk about Doctor Moore, and I also want to talk about how it links up with the Kira plot. But I I do want to bring something up about about Odo's journey as a yeah. human, then a changeling again. Is that you know there there actually is sort of a, a fan theory out there floating around that, and I don't usually bring up fan theories, but I think this one is is particularly relevant yeah. and interesting. That that Odo never really was human, and that's that. That the changelings locked him into a human form uh, uh, somehow, and that this was always the plan, and that even this changeling was part of their plan, and that they were going to give Odo's powers back to him at some point to like teach him a lesson about. So, how- in other words, he was he was in jail for a while rather than given the. Huh. Yeah, which. Uh, maybe I don't. Know. I don't think that there's much evidence for that in the show, and it's certainly nothing that the show ever like says outright. So I could kind of go with that, but I also it's think the that... kind of thing like I feel if that was the intended case, you would be able to have the cha- cha- the changeling would pop up at the end and say, "Odo, you've made your <laughs> you know well like a fairy tale." You know, but the, the, I guess maybe that's where I didn't like it. It did feel like a fairy tale, but in a way that wasn't intentional. Well, on the show, yeah, I agree with you. Because they could really do, you know, if they wanted to go a full-on Pinocchio with Odo, they could have done that to the degree of mentioning even the story 
Um, well, and it also, I mean, they also did foreshadow this a tiny, tiny bit in things past when the reason why that entire episode was able to happen was because he still had morphogenic yeah, that's fair. enzymes or whatever in his brain. So there was kind, yeah, of, that... kind of a little bit of a foreshadowing that maybe he wasn't as solid as he appeared to be. I could kind of go with the interpretation that the changelings did not actually make him human, but locked him into a yeah. human form, even though he was still changeling, a changeling. But the, the the whole changeling thing with the little baby changeling that died and you know gave him his powers back somehow, changed him back. Uh, it, it's not that he was human and the changeling made him a, a changeling again. It was that the he was always a changeling, and that the, it, or, the changeling getting absorbed into him unlocked. I mean, him from he this is form. still able to. Either way, it is clear from things past that he is still able to link, and it feels like what he does with the changeling baby at the end is linking. And yeah. you know, so he's absorbed some debt. I mean, we we could make fan theories as to why it happened. You know, to, I I'm only so interested in the physiology and the mechanics of how, it. Doesn't of matter that much. I also, I mean, frankly, I, I mean, I don't know. I I like Odo better as a changeling. Yeah. Oh, he he has more to do, and especially now, I think he's. I mean, he talks a lot in this episode about you know he was just finally being able to appreciate what it meant to be a changeling, and he had that taken away, and he is going to be a damn good changeling now for the rest of the series because you know he's actually able to appreciate, and he knows what he could do, and he knows what his limits are. Now he's just he's been having a ceiling for the past couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about about Dr. Moore then, because I think that the way that this episode is structured is very interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, this is not anything that that anybody who has ever, you know, has more than a modicum of intelligence really, you know, can't pick up on. But, you know, Kira is bringing a new life into the world. Yeah. Letting one go. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And that's all nice and everything. Um, you know, Kira and Odo, but at the end of the episode, both have that nice moment where they both realize that perhaps even though they never really had a desire to have children, both of yeah. them perhaps now do, and they feel like they've lost something. Yeah, both of them went through a weird period of loss, and things are very different, and their lives are not the same, and, but in a way that they feel very melancholy about. And I like that they finally, at the end of this episode, both of them are just extremely tired, and they don't, and they just need each other, and they they just. You know, just as just as Cardassian Bajor had to, you know, let go of all that shit in order to, you know, he, he, you could see the two of them at the point where, like, look, we we so much has happened, but I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, we just need to go for a walk together where it's gonna be, and and I like that. Do you think that this was a good episode to kind of have Odo grapple with his yes. his quote unquote childhood a little bit? Oh yes, I mean, this was a. Uh, in terms of the plot and the themes of it, I really did like that. Um, it reminded me so much of the story with Data and Lol, of course. Given that it's oh, yeah. essentially the same exact plot, you know, somebody creates a, you know, there is a child that was never expected to have a child. You know, they surpass all expectations. You know, they they form a very devoted attachment, and the child dies. Yeah, that is actually yeah, that's a really good linking. Actually, I yeah, really, I had mentioned I haven't really thought about that yeah. before. Um, but of uh, and I mean, it says a lot that Renee Aubergenois is able to emote to a jar of snot and have it be an extraordinarily powerful performance. Yeah, like that was I. Odo has always grappled with this childhood, and he always had the—I mean, 
this is well we've only ever seen dr mora once before i believe yes. in the, in the second season episode the alternate yeah, and they ended that episode still like kind of on different sides. They yeah, kind of were but, still at cross purposes. And yeah. I think this episode is I, this, I I like, you know, it's fun. I, I I don't like a lot of the sort of like meta stuff about this episode is about how they handled Odo as being human and going back to being yeah. a changeling. But I I do like the scenes with Odo and Dr. Mora a lot. I think that one of the things that the, this episode in particular was very subtly doing was demonstrating that perhaps Odo as a solid quote unquote was a little more free with his emotions. Yeah. He understood difficulty a little more. He was perhaps a little less cut off from everyone because he could even, you know, even the psychological effect of, of just having to eat, you know, and sitting in the yeah. same place with everybody else and doing the same things and all those kind of things, right. That he wasn't able to do as a changeling was never able to understand. Um, and once Dr. Mora comes back into the picture and I think he's able to kind of come to some sort of rapprochement with him, partly because of his experiences yeah. as a human, but also partly because he has this new life that he is trying to, you know, he is obviously trying to, uh, 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 he's he's the son who is trying to be a much better father than he yeah. feels his father was to him. And then in, in the process, realizing that it's perhaps a little bit harder to be a father than he thought it was. I mean, it, first off, Odo is coming at... Odo begins the episode almost acting as if Dr. Mora was an abusive dad, you know. He, he's saying, you know, you, you, I, I, I carry the trauma of that. I remember how painful that was, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was terrible and I would never do that. And... The episode doesn't go into what you need to abuse your kid in order to be tough, but it almost, <laughs> it almost comes. What it, and and this is you know maybe my own experiences or experiences with friends, but it almost comes off as Odo is some. Odo reminds me of a, of a gay teen in the suburbs who you know had a very you know parents realized like you're in a very you know straight laced environment you know trying to put them in, you know funnel them into a more conservative angle and the kid Lido you know, leaves to the big city and you know, can be who he is. And, you know, Dr. Mora is always very proud to see Odo, what Odo has made of himself and, you know, the position that Odo has on this station and the life that he's earned for himself in Dr. Mora's... And the respect that he's gotten yeah, from everybody. That, that's nothing he could have done in Dr. Mora's world. And so, you know, yeah. Dr. Mora comes off as a very ambivalent figure. He did need to push... Odo into one direction in order for success. And I mean, he talks about the uh, pressures from the Cardassian scientists that, I mean, we have Federation pressure on Odo, which he's feeling, you know, very sweaty about. And he knows that's nowhere near as dangerous as the Cardassian pressure would have been. So, yeah, well, I think that, that I like Dr. Moore in this episode a lot. I think that, that he's a really interesting character in the, in the few times that he appears on the show. And, there's a there's yeah. an interesting exchange in this episode between them where Odo basically says, well, it doesn't really matter how you had gotten me to shapeshift and learn my true nature because I was always this person. I was always sort of yeah. this very serious, dour person who uh, uh, didn't really find any fun or enjoyment in life. And, <laughs> and Dr. Morris seems you know, quietly sad about that. I mean, you know, Dr. Yeah. Moore certainly is not a bad guy. And no. I think that he loves Odo. I think that he cares about Odo. And as you say, he's well, proud of Odo, but I don't know that Odo 
Odo obviously doesn't understand that. And I think that, you know, he has interpreted how Dr. Mora treated him in a very different yeah. way than Dr. Mora intended to. I mean, the scene where they're working on the experiment and, you know, they have to do this very tiny electrical shock. I mean, uh, and, you know, Odo Sego, I remember about. And when Dr. Mora's talking about it, he talks about, oh, I was so happy when you finally did, you know, shape shift and. I was so nervous that you, you know, he, he he acts almost as like somebody whose kid is being vaccinated, you know. Yeah. He knows this is going to hurt. He's going to, you know, he's going to cry, you know, his, his arm's going to be sore for a couple days. But in the long run, the benefits that this gives are so, you know, it's a necessary pain. Or, you know, seeing your kids struggling with something and knowing that, you know, this kid needs to fail a couple times, yeah. in or, you know, in order to figure out how to ride the bike. You know? Well, yeah, because I think that you know, one of the I think that's actually a really good point because one of the things that I think this episode makes clear is that Doctor Mora was ex- is experimenting, quote unquote, on Odo. Yeah, but but it was in the kind of context where, in the same way that if you have a toddler. They have to fall. Yeah, you know they have to hurt themselves, and also and and don't immediately run over to them and 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 go. Oh, it's okay, it's okay, because that's only going to make it worse. And obviously, of course, you don't abuse your children. No, you know you don't let them potentially fall out of like three story windows and things no. like that. But if they're running around the house and they trip and fall, you know that to. that's that's how they learn. And pain is a part of life. Pain is a part of the growing process. Or like think, the whole you have to you know the kids have to cry and go to sleep on their own. You exactly know? the the Ferber method, I think it's <laughs> called. But I don't have kids, so whatever. But I don't care. You should let your kids cry as much as they want to, as long as they're not around me. Um, but I think that that yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think that's what Odo was realizing that yeah. the the context in which you know, the shapeshifters are having to be parented by Dr. Mora and Odo. In effect, what they're doing is the same thing that a lot of parents do. Yeah. You know, Dr. Mora is not, Dr. Mora was not shooting Odo with phasers. No. Dr. Mora was not causing him pain just for just for the sake of causing him pain. And he also was seems like he was very careful yeah. to only do as much as he needed to do to push Odo far enough to start moving on. Well, it's, and you I know, think that's Odo, Odo's starting to realize that in this episode. Odo talks about how some of the tests were extremely unpleasant, but Dr. Mora says that it took him a while to realize that this was living because Odo was not communicating with him. He wasn't capable. That is true too. And so, yes, you can see that maybe he did some tests that were more invasive thinking. This is just a weird organic compound. What is this? But once he started to realize, you know, oh, this may actually be life, you know, this is, you know, he is going to start changing his, you know, he changed his methods and, you know, went, you know, scaled back and, you know, much gentler. For Odo, the harm had been done, and unfortunately, you know, Dr. Mora isn't able to change that. But at the same time, they, he can't, you know, the bit with the temperature at the beginning, for example. Obviously, Dr. Mora did some experiments. All right, we're going to see how it does at 30 degrees and 31 degrees and 32 degrees. And that was probably weeks and during which this, you know, Odo was uncomfortable. Well, Odo, as unfortunate as as he had to go through these experiences, those experiences can make life better for this changeling baby. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, you know, but I also think on the other side too, you know, obviously I think the first half of the episode or the first 20 minutes of the episode or, or, or however long it is, 
really has to do with with Odo getting pushed to adopt some of Dr. Mora's yeah. techniques. Yes. But because, you know, Odo is trying different things and it's not really working and it's sort of working, but not really. And then, you know, obviously when Cisco comes in and it's like, Federation, you need you need support and you need this and give us status reports and all this kind of stuff, you know. Well, of and course, Odo- keep in mind that, you know, Cisco is walking in on the two of them having a fight over this and you know you don't know how much cisco heard but, yeah yeah you know and let's also put it this way cisco had his own conversations with his father that were probably not that different from that is true what these two are asking. yeah and i, I think mean, cisco realizes that this is but, you know your dad is telling you how to raise his grandson but what it really comes down to i think is that there's a nice give and take in this episode and especially in the scripting of it where you know both odo and dr mora have points and, yeah. and i think that you know Odo was allowed to fail. Dr. Mora is allowed to fail in this episode a little bit. Dr. Mora is allowed to realize and tell Odo that his methods were, were good. Yeah. That, that he, w- he knew some things about being a changeling and knew some things about how to get this out of the changeling that you know, we're better than his methods. And I think that Odo does appreciate that in this episode a lot. And I think, I mean, we're told a lot of times about how quickly this particular changeling is responding. I mean, much quicker than, obviously that's because you know, you have Dr. Morris' scientific expertise. He can make the room into the exact conditions sure. that are best with it. And Odo knows how to coax it. I mean, Dr. Moore makes it very clear, you know, you're the one he had the emotional connection with, you know. And, you know, it is such a tragedy that the end, the radiation turns out to be too much for this changeling because, you know, I don't know. I really love that scene when the changeling, you know, almost forms a face and, you know, the reaction the two of them are having, you know, and this is Odo and Dr. Mora bonding together over yeah, this, you know. Yeah. That's, That's a really, really It's nice a scene. lovely scene, yeah. Yeah. And actually that scene almost didn't make it into the episode. Really? Yeah, it was a it was a scene that I think the director came up with on the set. Yeah. And, uh, they weren't sure if they actually had the money to pull it off because, you know, they do CGI for, yeah. for Odo and uh, what it turned out was, um, you know, obviously they did some post-production work on it and did the CGI effect on it, but um, it was actually someone's hand in a sock. <laughs> and it just turned out it worked really well. No. And I think that's, that's like, you know, that I think in a certain sense makes the episode. Yeah, because... that, I mean, that's that's the equivalent of it's taking its first steps. I mean, they're yeah. there, there. And I, I, you know, it is talking about the episode i like it a lot more than i think actually just watching it because there is a lot of there is a lot of subtlety to it there is a lot of resonance i think that you know for all of the sort of like was this whole journey of odo's worth it or not what did we really get out of that yeah get cut off too soon this episode i think is a good way to end it and it's a good payoff for odo's journey i think in a way and at this point, you know, going forward, like you said, Odo is going to be a super good changer. Yeah. You know, he is going to really revel in it. And also, I mean, he, he's been thinking this entire time, oh, if I had my, if I were still a changeling, I would have become this. I would have become that. That's Arcalian Hawk. And, and, and I love that he keeps referencing that and that, you know, the payoff I, at the end. And also, I like the fact that they remember that he's wearing clothes. So when he becomes yes. a hawk, they drop away. I'm just always like, oh, that's good. A little nice note that they really are paying attention yeah. to what, what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a really it's a really strong episode, at least for that kind of stuff. And yeah, and a very sad again a sad episode because of the potential. What could this changeling have been if it if it had survived, and would it have been a bridge between the Federation and the Dominion now in a way that 
Odo wasn't able to be, you know? What, well, yeah, because I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things about Odo, of course, is that he is very alone and he is someone yeah. who he has really been formed and shaped by not knowing where he came from. And if this changeling had lived and if this changeling had grown up, um, you know, we don't even know really what it means to be a changeling baby. We're not sure if that's yeah. not, you know, but if Odo had been able to teach the changeling right up front, you know, here's where you come from, here are your yeah. people, you know, what would have happened? I, I don't know. No. I don't know. And also, you know, there are open questions about whether or not the changeling and Odo still wouldn't be been able to link to some degree because of Odo's morphogenic enzymes in his yeah. brain. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. But, you know, if at the end of the day this is a little bit of a shaggy dog story just to give Odo his changeling powers back, okay. You know, and I think that I, I'm 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 much more on board with Odo as a changeling than I am with him as a human because you know, Odo is interesting not just because he's a changeling. He's an yeah. interesting character in his own right. But maybe they realize that there yeah. weren't that many stories to tell. I, I maybe don't it know. is true that you know every uh, either the plot line is Odo dealing with the fact that he's human again, which you know, yes, you can do that for maybe a full season, even. But after a while, it's like, all right, dude, get over it. You've what? Been, yeah. You what? Know, you've yeah. been human a year already. It's time to, uh, or at the same time, you know take him out and just have him be a stiff character who's got, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the last thing to talk about before we wrap this episode up is, uh, you know, we, we met, we mentioned before Kara had the baby, everything's fine now. I guess that's it. Yeah. I, O'Brien and my, O'Brien and miles, O'Brien and, uh, and Keiko have another baby. They don't need her Kira's anymore. Kara's going to move out. She's sad about it. Well, she and Odo are going to, like I said, I like that the episode ends with the two of them becoming friends again, or at least, you know, it's time. We now we're, we've we've had a journey and now we can deal with this plot. Yeah, because they both have been dealing with, like yeah. you said, they've both been dealing with uh, a lot of changes on their own and their friendship has sort of gone by the wayside, especially as, you know, Odo sort of had romantic feelings for Kira that seem yeah. to have sort of been sublimated a little bit and he's dealing with that. And, you know, you know, uh, uh, Kira having to deal with being pregnant and then sort of especially what happened in things past where you kind of it's a little bit of a retread of an earlier episode. Yeah. Where Kira comes to Odo's office again and it's like, is this the last time this happened? You got to tell me, you know, and um, I think it's nice that, you know, maybe they're starting to reconnect a little bit. Yeah. Especially since, in the you know, let's not forget in the darkness and the light, we didn't even mention that Kira, you know, essentially broke into Odo's office. Yeah, stole, yeah, yeah. Stole the suspects, deleted them, and then went away. And Odo's kind of like, really? Okay. Yeah. I guess that's I guess an, I deserve that uh, one. That's another, but that's another thing that they just, we have to overlook this. You know, we've all been, they've both been doing, you know. In, in the beige, in, in the uh, during the occupation, everyone had to get a little dirty. Well, what happened to Kira? Richard and, has stolen five thousand dollars from me over the years. So I have. Um, what happened to Kira and Odo over the past season has not been as dramatic as the uh, occupation, but at the same time, both of them were pushed into situations that they didn't necessarily want to be in or didn't know how to do the best you know, what the best choice was yeah. or, and they're both left a little lost from it. So yeah. the episode gets itself into a, because, because if the episode had just ended with the changeling dying, you know, that would, what a bummer. I know. And even if it had ended with, he's become human again, that still would have been hollow, but this is, they acknowledge that there is some extraordinary pain in both of them that they don't know what to do with, but they're going to muddle through. 
Yes, and it's also something that they both never anticipated. Yeah, either, you know, and I and I do appreciate the fact that the 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 Kira story in this episode takes up about as much time as it. Oh needs yeah, to. it's largely a comic plot. Oddly enough, again, which Jimmy, I think it. Ne- I mean, I think this yes, episode oh, needs it. Definitely needs, and especially after last week's Kira plot line, yeah. it's nice to see her where she's not in any danger. Yeah, but. yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah. It's good that Miles had, you know, his baby delivered with that with fewer complications this time. Yeah, I thought that was a nice callback. You know, yeah, I, how I, you I, I missed Molly's birth. Was Worf on the station in this episode? Oh, I don't know. Do I was Worf in the episode? Um was Worf in this episode? Yes, he was, because okay. uh there was that one scene where Odo was in the replimat with the changeling in a cup. Okay. And Worf comes by and it's like, why are you? Oh, talking, yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you talking to your beverage? Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember he did made the, well, I will be gone during that week. <laughs> I guess he lied. Yeah. Or, you know, now knowing that, you know, Kira's there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either one of the episodes of DS9 we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trekaboutshow.com. Visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. Uh, we would appreciate some of your monetary support if you are enjoying our podcasting endeavors, especially since <sighs> we have a very important announcement. What is it? Well, we have two, actually. So uh, the last episode of this season of Trek About Presents is going to be released tomorrow. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Ghostbusters 2016. Hopefully it's good. We're not going to say. You'll just have to listen to the podcast to find out. And also, we are releasing a new weekly podcast. Oh, my God. It's called Tuning In. The concept of this is very simple. Okay. We talk into mics and you listen to it. No. uh, Just how's Trek About is us listening to every episode of Trek About. Tuning in is us watching every episode of television. Yes. We're starting with the first broadcast in 1938. Sure. 38. Exactly. No, uh, we're going to be actually. So, so, you know, we like doing Trek About so much and, you know, we're sort of, you know, we've still got a few years of Trek about to go. We've got like three years to go or something like that. So don't get worried yet. Um, but you know, we're, we're sort of like wanting to keep doing this. And one of the things is Richard and I, we both really like television and we both, uh, you know, have a lot of TV shows that we like to talk about, like to watch. And there's a lot of TV shows I want to share with Richard. There's TV shows that Richard wants to share with me and, and TV s- shows that neither of us want to share with the other. <laughs> So uh, that's the concept for the show. We're going to be picking a television show to watch and go right through. And uh, the first episode of that is going to be released this Thursday. (gasps) If you're listening to this on the day this is released, it will be coming out in two days. Um, And if you're listening to it two days after on Saturday, it came out two days ago. So uh, go to iTunes and search for tuning in or go to tuninginshow.com and you will find out how to listen to it or you can. And what is our. Hopefully, you can subscribe to it immediately. And, and what it. is our first show we're doing? Well, this is uh, Richard's suggestion. We are going to be doing a short show. We're going to be doing Firefly. Okay, that sounds great. And we're also going to be doing it in uh, in uh, production order, not broadcast order. Well, um, of course. What are we, animals? Yeah, we're not animals, no. And uh, we're not part of the Alliance. Uh, and so the first episode is going to be about the pilot Serenity. Okay. So we'll be doing that for the next, uh, what, 15, 15 weeks. And then we're going to be moving on to our next show, which you will have to find out 
through tuning in what that will be. So tune into tuning in. And if you want to engage with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's Truckabout Show is our username. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Truckabout, for Truckabout Presents, and for tuning in. All very important. Next week, it's a shit get real week, Richard. Oh, good. I hope you're ready. Shit's been getting real. Uh, We're going to be talking about For the Uniform and In Purgatory Shadow. Ooh. Both very good episodes. Ooh, not for good titles. They're good titles. In Purgatory Shadow. What are we, 16 and goth? Oh, just you wait, Richard. Just you wait. (laughs)